0: This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Here is your host, Chris Swain.
1: Today on the podcast, we are going to discuss spiritual warfare in Revival, mm. we've been talking about the Long Haul Revival for several weeks now, and in each of these episodes, we're once again reminded as as what God is doing right now. Not not what he did, even though we're recounting that story, but mm-hmm. what he's still doing. Yeah. And one of the key components to this journey um, that I have recognized, and obviously our team and even our people, is the spiritual warfare that goes along with God moving, mm. initial elements that you faced early on uh, when you were going to the porch to pray. Yeah, things that happened during this move of God and that are still happening, mind you. <laughs> that that are, uh, I, I mean, there's no other way to, to phrase it. Spiritual attacks and ultimately the cost that one uh, pays as you press into the spiritual attacks that come with revival yeah and uh, and this is one of those topics that people get a little nervous about and there's nothing really to get nervous about when you're you're walking through scripture and it's very clear <laughs> as to what happens. you see examples of this throughout the Bible you see examples of this in the life of Christ um and and you see examples of this in really I would say every revival movement in some way yeah but what we can talk about with a lot of information is what's specifically happened yeah. here in this revival.
2: Yeah, so let me tell you a couple of things. I was like you, I knew about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. I, I, I preached a few sermons, I even wrote about it, one of the books, I think, Firmly Planted. I wrote yes. about it a few chapters. But again, I didn't think about spiritual warfare that much. Um, and frankly, I think one of the reasons churches don't experience spiritual warfare—and mm-hmm. I say this with a lot of love and respect—is that they're simply dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why, why would there be warfare when there's you're not at battle? The
2: the the <laughs> devil and in, in, in his dominion of of minions. I mean, he they don't need to waste a lot of time with dead churches, with That's churches true. that are bickering and fighting and infighting and church split. They don't need to waste a lot of time with that because they. they're they're not gonna do anything for the The Lord The churches are
1: doing his job for him. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) Now, but here's the thing you need to remember. When a church is revived, Satan comes alive to that church. Mm. And maybe not Satan himself, I want you to hear. Satan's in, he's not omnipresent. He can't be all places at all times. When people say, the devil made me do it, you need to question that, I doubt. I doubt the devil made you do it, nor does the devil even know your name, personally. I heard Leonard Ravenhill say years ago He said I want to be on a list I love this And uh, I I believe this for my own life too And I believe (laughs) we're getting on that list Honestly Uh, He used to say I want to be on a list It's not the baptism of the year list It's not the uh, Outreach Magazine Largest church list today It's not the uh, fastest growing church list He said all those lists are temporal Hmm. He said I want to be on the list That Jesus and Paul were on he said if you remember when the when the uh Sons man cast out yeah, yeah cast out the demon when he came out and tried to cast out the demon the demon looked at him and said Jesus I know and Paul I know but who in the world are you <laughs>
1: That's a pretty profound uh, passage, because really, when you read it, you're thinking, that's yeah. probably me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, R.T. Kendall wrote a great book, Known in Heaven, Famous in Hell. Oh, and wow. basically, the idea, yeah, Known in Heaven, Famous in Hell. And here's the thing. Are, are you known in hell in the sense of, and I know that kind of scary, but in the sense of, does the opposing team know your church? Are you making a difference? Are you making an impact? Do they know the name of the pastor? Is the pastor a threat? to his kingdom uh, of this world and the prince of the power of the air. And many pastors sadly are not a threat because they're not walking in the spirit. They're not seeing the manifest presence of God. They're not pressing in for more. And so, and and frankly, I don't think I was for, for a while, a, a season of my ministry, um, but but again, we talked about this and I just wanna walk you through what what happened leading up to the, the revival, of the, uh, move of God at Long Hollow, and then what subsequently has happened since. Mm. Because the, the point I wanna make is this, there's a price for intercessory prayer okay there's a price for an anointing there's a price for the unction of God and that's a word we don't use today but unction is simply the filling or the pouring out of the presence of God it's a word mm-hmm. from the King James they, they used it uh, when they translated King James it's, it's the modern word anointing yeah. And I've said this uh, recently online, and somebody said, "Well, show me that in Scripture." But I think it's a misunderstanding. Hey, Here is the point: you c- you cannot lose the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm-hmm. The moment a person is saved, Romans eight and nine, he who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Hmm. So, when you are a Christian, when you become a Christian, born again, regenerated, the the very the very means by which you are in the very proof by which you are saved is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit cannot leave you. Okay. However, the Bible is clear. There are times when we are to be filled daily Mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul challenges, it's a command, be filled with the Spirit of God. So the point I want to make is this, the indwelling presence of God does not leave. But the anointing of God will come and go in your life. What do I mean? The outpouring of his manifest presence, the sensing of him being real to you at that time, Mm -hmm. that will come and go. And the longer you are a Christian, if you're listening, you would say, yeah, there were times when I preached or I taught or I was in church and I sensed the presence of God. I knew God was there. Is
1: that the word we would use, anointing?
2: Yeah, anointing, same thing, anointing. And, and I would say, yeah. as
1: you're listening to sermons or you're in worship or you're even online listening to someone, it's you can tell. <laughs> I mean, there's something yeah. going on where you're like, this person is anointed.
2: Yeah, now, preaching today, you can, because guys today are very gifted with mm-hmm. charisma, <laughs> Yeah. one of the gifts, that's the Greek word charisma, um, they're very gifted in charisma, you can fake it. Mm. You can actually appear to be anointed and not be anointed, yeah. but I've I've been there before. I've tried that before, and I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want that, and I never wanna go back, and so back in March, I began to press into God, and here's the cost of intercessory prayer. Here's mm-hmm. the price to pay, and this is the backstory. not many people want to hear, and I'm not saying this to scare you. I'd do it all over again if I had to. I don't want to, but to experience what we're experiencing now, I would do it all over again, and I just wanna be clear, I'm not, I'm not remotely saying that what God did in December is is uh, intrinsically connected, or inexp- in inextricably connected mm-hmm. to what I did for those ten months. Yeah because the, 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 the revival or move of God in your church is a sovereign act of God. Mm-hmm. God sovereignly pours out his presence on whom he chooses. Yeah. Does not the potter have right over the clay? Does not he have a choice? Okay, so we get that. But I do believe, and I've said this before, I do believe all through scripture, man is responsible to pray. Mm -hmm. Man is responsible to call out. Remember when God said, I looked, my eyes looked among the nation for a a man to stand in the gap that I may not destroy the nation of Israel, Ezekiel, Mm -hmm. but I found no one. Mm -hmm. I look for a man to stand in the gap in prayer, a watchman on the wall. I found no one. So what God's saying is, I have sovereignly set up to save the nation if I could find a man in prayer seeking me, but I found no one. So there is, and I don't have time theologically to prove it, although I can if we had time, there's a a great connection between the responsibility of God's people to pray Mm -hmm. and the outpouring of God's presence in response to prayer. Now, I'm not saying I'm the reason my prayer life, because it was the prayer life of many people at Long Hollow, many people for years and years to pray for God to pour out a spirit mm-hmm. on our church. I'm just saying what happened for 10 months to me was more about me than it ever was about God. Mm-hmm. And it started, Chris, and we'll go to the break, but I just wanna, wanna kind of prime the pump for where it started. Those first few things that were happening. In fact, for the first five months, I had no clue what was happening. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was just a random series of events in my life that just happened to stack up. Because you're probably experiencing this too in your life. But after like the fourth or fifth event in a row, we started to laugh at the dinner table. And Candy and I said something deeper <laughs> something greater is happening here, and it's not just by chance. As you lead your
0: disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network
1: today at replicatenetwork.com. And we're back talking about spiritual warfare in revival. And and Pastor, as you've been talking through uh, your journey uh, on the porch and in prayer and in seeking God, I just want to remind those listening, You know some of these elements to this story. uh, It's easy, and and you mentioned this before. It's not about. It wasn't about you trying to manipulate God to do something. It was about you asking God to do something personally in your own life. Yes. And you were not even at that time really thinking, man. I want to see a big long haul revival. Even though obviously everybody wants to see that, it was more about God revive me. I want a fresh understanding. I want a fresh not insight necessarily, but relationship and connection. With Jesus, and so as we walk through this, just want to remind everyone: we saw these things as staff members and on the lead team, as people who are seeing you regularly and having conversations with you um, outside of that. And so we noticed the change. We were pointing out these these insights, and we were pointing out how this stuff uh, connected to your personal walk with Christ. And that's when the connection ultimately, uh, and we'll get there as you continue to share. kind of came to fruition.
2: Yeah, and and remember, that's a great point, Chris. I wish I was spiritual enough to admit that I prayed for a (laughs) manifest movement of God upon the people of Long Hollow in the largest season of baptisms ever. That's not what I was praying. I wish Mm -hmm. I was praying that. Right. As you said, I was praying selfishly, I hate to say that that way, but I was praying selfishly for God to do a work in my own heart. Mm -hmm. Because I knew, see, Many of you listening don't realize the deceptive nature of even your own heart. You don't even realize how far you've strayed from God. Mm -hmm. You don't realize, you're a Christian, but your intimacy with God, your fellowship Mm -hmm. with God, your time with God, it's not a relationship at all. What kind of friendship is that? You know, It says, uh, Abraham was friends with God. Well, friends spend time with friends. And so look at outside of Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday night, when are you spending time with God? Hmm. That's a friendship. So I, that, that's what really drove me. I said, God, you've got, and I knew I couldn't change myself, Chris. So I had to ask God to change me. And yep. when you ask God to do something, he doesn't do it the way you expect. Hmm. So right into COVID in March, I began sitting with the Lord in silence and solitude. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. And I began to pray for more of God. I began to sit with God. I began to just sit in silence with God. And in the sitting with God, he began stirring my heart. The spirit began to do some deep work in my soul that was not uh, even discernible uh, with any outward manifestation of anything Mm -hmm. at at the moment. It was just this long process of just sitting. And then at the end of March, beginning of April, the first, uh, the first attack in hindsight happened. Uh, my, one of my tooth, one of my teeth, uh, had an abscess in it. Now this is not uncommon for me.
1: I call this the chronicles of the tooth.
2: The tooth chronicles (laughs) because it lasted for the next three and a half, four months. And
1: involved many teeth.
2: Not only many, it involved seven <laughs> to be exact. Um, I went to the dentist. Now, if you remember back in April, it was almost impossible to go anywhere, much yes. less to a dentist's right. office. I mean, I had to go on a hazmat suit, no, not not hazmat, but close to it. I mean, I had to get <laughs> checked with temperature and, and sprayed down and hands washed. and I mean, it was crazy. And uh, by God's grace, I was able to see a dentist. He said, yeah, you have an abscess tooth. So he sent me to the uh, endodontist. The endodontist, who is a friend, said, hey, we're going to have to do a root canal on your tooth. They get me ready. They shoot me up. My mouth is numb. They're putting the gas in my nose. And I'm going back out. I'm going to La La Land. And right when the girl comes in to put the plastic wrapping around your tooth so none of it, none of the particles go into your throat, she breaks my tooth in half. My net, my face is all numb. My, my, you know, I can't talk. My mouth is is numb. And the doctor comes in. He says, "Man, I got, uh, I got bad news and bad news." You never hear that from a dentist, by the way. <laughs> bad news and bad news. I love you, but I got bad, bad news, news bad. first. Bad news is your tooth is broke. You're gonna have to get it extracted, which is oh, not cheap. Man. But the bad news on top of that is that you're gonna—I I numbed you up extra good because of the length of your roots. You're gonna be numb at least to about two o'clock today. This was like nine in the morning, so I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink it—you know—barely drink anything. And so uh, then I went to now this is my third appointment in a week or two. Then I went to the orthopedic uh, or the dent, dental uh, orthopedic uh, of so the surgeon. And uh, they look at my teeth and say, you know what? While we're taking out one, why don't we go ahead and take out this other one? Because that probably needs to come out too. So now I have two teeth extractions. Once you have a tooth extraction, then you have to have a bridge put in to fill the, the role or fill the spot. And so now I go back to the regular dentist. Now he says, oh, by the way, we have to get us an implant put in the back of your mouth. And I see two or three other teeth that need working on. And so this was my tooth journey or my teeth journey for four months this is crazy but i went to the dentist from april to july yeah four i think it was 13 or 14 times i don't know about you there's only so many times you can hear that drill
1: i remember getting the text and and you said you're not going to believe you'd always preface it with you're not going to believe this which was the understatement because we could believe everything they
2: believe yeah at that point you believe everything and it was, guess what, back at the dentist again. Yeah. And so there I was, 13, 14 times in four months. Uh, and so at that point I thought, okay, well maybe I just you know have a string of bad luck. And then all of a sudden, I started to have problems with my back that summer. My back locked up again. Mm -hmm. I went to a surgeon, I think maybe in May or June. Again, I'm going to doctors that are very hard to get to at this point. I go to a surgeon. He says, I'm sorry, you're going to have to get uh, an operation. Your back is blown out from the previous surgery. We're going to have to replace uh, or we're going to have to shave the disc and we're going to have to uh, put a cage mechanism in your lower back. I said, cage mechanism, what in the world? I said, I got to go get a second opinion. I go get a second opinion for another surgeon in town. They said, we're going to go in through your belly button and actually replace the disc. You'll probably won't be able to walk for a week, uh, but you'll be back, uh, you know, in six to eight weeks. And I thought, this is the last thing I need right now. And so I went to my chiropractor and he said, I could probably try to fix it, but you're going to have to come three to four times a week, every week for three months. <laughs> I said, well, surgery of that, that's the alternative. I went to my chiropractor. Then I had to get two shots in my back, if you remember it, in oh, August, I J- July and August. One was in the actual. Disc. Uh, The second was in the nerve. If you've ever had that nerve shot of of cortisone on your back. Thank
1: the Lord I have not had that shot. uh, Here's
2: how I liken it. My leg shot, my left leg, uh, Robert, shot off the table (laughs) like a lightning bolt hit my body. I never felt lightning before, but I thought this is the closest Uh thing to lightning. So I got those two shots. Then Then I've got a tennis elbow from working out on my right arm. I have to go back and get a shot on that. Then I blow out my shoulder, which I think this is all now September. I blow out my shoulder. I go to the doctor. He said, "No, you actually tore your bicep where it connects to your shoulder. I have to get a shot in there." If you ever imagine a needle going into the bicep attachment point to I'd the shoulder. Not. Yeah, Do rather than not. Okay, that. so now I'm now I'm four cortisone shots in and we get to the fall. And I'm starting to say at this point, okay, something is happening. I'm still going to the porch. I'm still pressing into mm-hmm. God. I'm still asking God to move. Nothing at this point, nothing overtly happening. And then he begins uh, the attacks move to the family the family attacks start with a toilet in the house that we cannot get fixed. It's the only toilet downstairs in our home for guests. And so the toilet, we had three different plumbers come out. None of them could fix it. They said they fixed it, left, it broke again. And so it became comical when Candy had her discipleship girls over every week and would have to say, listen, take the top part off and your hand's just going to get a little wet just put your hand and pull the chain you know it just became embarrassing so then the refrigerator goes out it's a fairly new refrigerator fridge saga that yeah they came out and said we can fix it for fifteen hundred dollars i said fifteen hundred dollars
1: you can buy one and then some i for could them. Go buy a new one
2: for what is going on here and so that one that one happened and then all of a sudden this was the one that really where we started to say okay something's up here then all of a sudden um I got word that Candy said, "Hey, you're never going to believe this. Our water bill is 600 plus dollars this month." Mm-hmm. I said, "$600." <laughs> she said, "Yeah." So then I tried to get a guy out to check where there was a water leak. We have a long water line. Um, we have a little bit of land, so the yeah. line's fairly long. And so they couldn't find the problem. I got another guy to look. He couldn't find the problem. I called leak detectors. He said, I can come out and charge you $800, but there's, it's more of an art than a science, mm. and so I may not find the problem. Found a church member with a backhoe. Thank God he found the problem. Mm. So he's out now. By this time, I'm in the next month. Now we're at another $450 water bill. Still a leak going on. He takes a, he takes a backhoe out on a Friday afternoon. He's going to dig it out. He finds the leak. We got it dug out. He say, I say, the, the guy who's working with him says, put the backhoe up. We'll come back Monday, and we'll work on it because mm-hmm. it's Friday at 430.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's more important than that. Famous
2: last words. <laughs> Famous last words. Let me just scoop one more bit of mud off the the main water line to your home and i'm watching in slow motion i still remember it as that backhoe (laughs) breaks the main water line to my home and it's like a fire hydrant gushing out we've got to run and scramble turn the water line off we have to go now we have no water for the weekend they're trying to scramble to fix it and then to add insult to injury chris in november Mm -hmm. all leading up to december the furnace in my house goes out so we have no heat Mm -hmm. At the end of November, beginning of December, and it because of COVID, it takes two weeks to replace the part, and so my poor wife. I remember wife, the
1: picture of you in a hoodie, a blanket, a uh, hat, a nearby fireplace, some mittens. I'm like ski mask. I mean, I got. There?
2: I mean, we <laughs> could not walk out. I don't know if you've ever felt 50 degree. I mean, it got down to 50 degree, 50 degrees every morning, where cold feet hitting a cold tile floor with 50 degree weather in your home trying to get warm with a space heater okay i'm mean, a space heater and at that point i looked at candy and i said babe th- there's no accident something is going on here we are we need to begin praying against this right now and then all of a sudden december 20th happened the move of god started and i thought i thought it's over yeah it's over we got through it All of this is done. We got the water fixed. We got the furnace fixed.
1: And it was like that old infomercial. But wait. But
2: wait, there's more. Yeah. Actually, I forgot to mention, during this time, I had carpal tunnel that I got rid of. You had to wear the- the, I had to wear these hand things for like six weeks. (laughs) I thought I got rid of it. That came back, and it's still back now. And then all of a sudden, the week after the move of God, I get a bump on my side that I scratch on my rib cage. I thought, wow, what is that little little bump on my side? Two days later, Candy says, what is that? And so it starts to get big. It starts to hurt. I sent a picture to my doctor. He said, you need to get in immediately. That does not look good. A- again, God's moving a week after the move of God. He said, you have staph infection in your side. A literal thorn staph in infection, thorn <laughs> in the flesh in my side, Chris. And for the next six weeks, you can't make this up. For the, next, the first six weeks of the move of God, I have to get surgically cut on Five times. I I go to the doctor eight times in those six weeks. I've got to get surgically cut. And and, and every time he would go to cut, he would deaden it with that needle in my rib cage. And he would apologize. He went to Long Hollow. He said, hey, I've got to apologize. This is the most painful Uh place on the body and so I didn't realize how bad staph infection was. It got so bad. It, it, it got so big. And I had to mm-hmm. go back. You know, sometimes I went back twice a week to get a cut on. And by God's grace, I got through that. And at the mm-hmm. end of that, I just looked back and I thought, wow, I could look at all these things that happen mm-hmm. as just being the result of just coincidence. Sure. Or I could begin to look through spiritual eyes and see that the enemy was trying to discourage, distract, Mm -hmm. and distort what God was doing. I say all that to say this. There's a price for intercessory prayer. Mm -hmm. There's a price for an anointing. And to see what God is doing at Long Hollow and to experience it for the last 10, 11, 12 weeks, Mm -hmm. 11 weeks, I would go back and do it all over again but I would do it now differently because I know the battle that I'm fighting. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're in the middle of a battle right now and you're Mm -hmm. pressing into God, don't be discouraged or distracted by the wiles and the schemes, as the Bible says, of the devil. Put on the armor of God, Mm -hmm. raise the shield of faith, wield the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and press in praying at all times in the spirit and trust God. God's, maybe you're on the verge of, of a spiritual breakthrough well
1: that's a good word and as always if you enjoyed the podcast please take the time to text it to a friend and share it with them rate us maybe give us a five star rating on your favorite podcast listening app as always thanks for tuning in can't wait to see you next time until then bye-bye
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or
1: church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.